Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Ah, yes, relationships. And this week, we are entering into part two of relationships. Last week, Doug Dorman shared with us on uh, conflict in relationships with uh, Barnabas and Paul and how it can actually have a positive outcome. And by the way, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Doug, and I'm part of the pit crew here at Vineyard uh, Church, part of a, a preaching team we have here. And um, you, if you've hung around for any of the other services, you may have seen others of us from the pit crew from the preaching team. But relationships are, seem to be coming to the forefront of their hot topic. Uh, I mean, after all, we do have social media, and that's a place where we can relate with one another, um, mostly in a toxic way, not really the best way to relate with others if you pay attention on Facebook. Lots of people are not relating very healthily. But we also have reality TV, I mean, there's The Bachelor, Bachelorette, The Millionaire Matchmaker. There's tons of others. We watch people's families for entertainment to see how they relate to one another uh, in their unique family environment. And it just shows me that the culture of a culture of people, we're hungry for relationship. We're hungry to know more. We're hungry to build relationships, make initial connections, and figure them out. And one of the parts of figuring out relationships is just is meeting a mate. And one of the ways to meet a mate, guess what, is on the internet. You can do that. And not to make fun of internet dating websites, because I actually know a few people who personally, that I know personally, that met people on the internet that are now their significant others that are married to. So I'm not really making fun of, of internet dating sites, but <clears throat> I personally, I don't know anybody that met a significant other at farmersonly.com. So... I'm just saying, there's a, there is a way to meet people out there. So if some of you out there have been trying to figure this out, and you're like, man, I just can't meet anybody with the same interests I've got, let me just tell you, you can. And I actually, I did some research on it just so I could find out. I saw that Farmers Only uh, billboard, actually, somewhere, and I was like, man, you can, there's something for everybody. So here's a little quick, just a quick search I did on uh, niche sites. There are dating sites for the mature, 55 and older crowd, makes perfect sense. There is gluten-free dating, which of course makes sense, because, you know, <laughs> who wants to go on that date and watch the, the other person eat pasta and pizza, and you can't eat it? Gluten-free dating, I don't know how much make, sense it makes over the internet, because I don't know how many people are eating dinner together over the internet, but there is gluten-free dating. There's also dating skateboarders, which, man, that would have worked for me about 25 years ago. <laughs> That would have been, I would have been gold. It would have been great. But uh, there's also Date My Pet for the pet-obsessed people who realize that their pet comes first. There's also Stoners. There's a Stoners dating site, which, which I'm imagining, I'm imagining this in my, in, in my head, and I'm like, that's something kind of like, that's like Netflix and chill with maybe a bag of Doritos. <laughs> like, hey, let's get together. <laughs> but uh, there's Book Nerds, which my wife would love that one. Ugly schmucks for those that appreciate beauty on the inside. 
There's women behind bars for the man that likes to keep his woman at a safe distance. There's Trekkies. Of course, how could you not have a dating site for Trekkies? There is mullet passions for those that like business in the front and party in the back that can have appreciation for that. And then my favorite, my favorite was punk match. Like, where was this when I was in high school? I spent so much time looking for that perfect punk rock girlfriend and could never, ever find her. But punk match would have been the answer to my prayers and my needs. But those are just a few of them, and there's a ton of them out there. So there's tons of ways to meet people. But it goes a whole, there's a whole other level to this whole relationship thing besides just meeting people online. The whole leadership models, business community, is all affected by what we've been learning about relationships over the past 40 years or so. Google, you know, like you used to have this top-down like, there was a boss, and they told people what to do, and the people did it. And, you know, levels of bosses and hierarchies. Google turns this whole thing upside down, and they put sliding boards and, and video games in the work environment. One of the reasons is they say that play stimulates creativity, but another reason that play also connects people. And people get connected to one another, and then they get this common goal, and they're unified, and your productivity goes to the roof. So the more we learn about relationships, the more we learn the power of relationships. And so if we think, like, well, I'm going to meet, I, I'm going to meet somebody that has just that immense appreciation for a nice tractor that I've got, or if we're going to meet somebody that loves that that one episode of Star Trek, the the one person that's a Next Generation fan and not and not another's fan, but or just somebody that has that unhealthy uh, love of their dog or cat. But that's only the beginning of the relationship, right? That's just, that's just, you're stepping into it. If we really want to know, we've got to take that next step. See, it's not about finding the relationships. It's about improving them. How can we make our relationship stronger and more meaningful? And a lot of the information that's out there, there's tons of it on the web. There's some really good information, and there's just total trash. But if you look at the good information, you'll find that that wisdom comes down from ancient wisdom, lots of times found in the Bible. How do we relate to one another? And so we're going to take a look. That's like, as Christians, that's the first place that we look. It's our, it's our resource, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11 today, and that's going to be our foundation. And it's a long passage. We'll get to it in a second. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then I'm going I'm to point a couple things out to you before we actually read it. So, Father, I thank you for this wonderful, sunny summer day. I thank you for each individual here. I just pray, Lord, you would open our hearts to receive what it is you are speaking to us today. Lord, that we would not leave the same way we came in here, but we would leave having been touched by you and a different person. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if some of you remember, if you were here about a year ago, we did, uh, Tim took us through a series on uh, Philippians. We did the whole book of Philippians. A couple things to point out from that is that uh, it'd be helpful for us to recall those right now, that Paul wrote the letter from jail. He didn't know, he didn't just write it from a jail sentence. He didn't know if he was getting out of jail. He didn't know if he was going to be executed or what. So this is like a man's last words to these people. And we also learned that the Philippian church was a very diverse church. They're very poor. But there was also 
Lydia was part of that church, who's a successful, successful businesswoman and friend of Paul. So there are a lot of different things going on in there. And we also learned that much like Seacoast Vineyard is to a lot of us, the Philippian church was really special to Paul. As a matter of fact, he says things like, I hold you in my heart, and I yearn for you with all affection of Christ Jesus. This letter, in fact, is known as a friendly letter, which is an important note to take because most of Paul's letters were addressing a problem in the church or correcting somebody in the church. But this was a letter written to people that he loved as his last words that he might never get to communicate with, with them again. And he wanted to exhort them in relationships. He acknowledged that they did it well, and he wanted to exhort them to do it, to continue and do it better. So a couple of things in the passage. Paul says to count others more significant than yourself. I want you to kind of look for these when we're reading. He points out that we have the mind of Jesus, that Jesus took the form of a servant, that Jesus humbled himself, and that God exalted him. And what I'm going to do, I think I'm just going to read it, and you guys just follow along so you can absorb it, because it is such a long passage, because I find out sometimes when we're all reading, you're concentrating on reading and not really what's being said. So, Philippians 2, verse 1 through 11. Is that me? Me all right? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? So what is Paul saying here? and What is he pointing out and, um, with this imagery of Jesus and exhorting this group of people to deeper relationships and better relationships. So what we can learn here is if by following the example of Jesus, he's saying is we can choose giving over grasping. That's your first fill in. We, if we choose giving over grasping. Verse six, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. All right, sports fans, I got something for you. A little bit of trivia. I need somebody to tell me who was the second best player in the NBA in the 1990s. The second best? What is that all about? Nobody pays attention to the second best. We got an You're the man right here. Let's show him so everybody knows who it is. Because I found out the other night that people that are like 20 don't know who he is. They're like, who is that? The man on the left, the far left. Scottie Pippen. And the best player in the NBA? 
Michael Jordan, that's right. Probably the best player of all time. I got to hand it to you. You're right on. So what happened in 93 was Michael Jordan, after the big three-peat, they won three, the Bulls, Chicago Bulls won three titles in a row. He decided he was going to try his hand at professional baseball. So he retired from basketball and went to play for the Chicago White Sox. Left this team without this amazing leader. And what were they to do? And so they were just kind of stuck in this position, head spinning. And Scottie Pippen says this. It was pretty shocking. It took us all by surprise, but it didn't change anything in terms of what we had to do. We had to focus on preparing for another season. We had to stick to our routines, continue to train, and be ready for camp. Michael retiring opened up an opportunity for us to show that we were still a very good team. He also said this, I never thought about trying to win the MVP. I never thought about trying to do this as an individual. I couldn't have made myself play that way. It never crossed my mind to try and lead the league in scoring. I viewed that as a sort of selfish goal. So if anybody was in position to say, now it's my time, it was Scottie Pippen. You've been playing in the shadow of the best player to play basketball, and you're the likely candidate to be the next man. If anybody was going to be tempted to grasp, to, to control his environment, to say, all right, guys, it's me now. It was going to be Scottie Pippen in, the, in this time period. But he didn't do that. He went another direction. Uh, his, his teammate Pete Myers says this about him. He was unbelievable. He did everything for us. He rebounded the ball. Defensively, he guarded the perimeter. He just did everything imaginable, which made everyone else's job easier. By giving instead of grasping, he made life easier for everyone around him. When Jesus decided to give rather than put himself in the place of God, when he decided that he was going to be humbled and walk as a man and suffer the things that he suffered, he made everything easier for us. Except until that time, you, you had to be Jewish, and you had to be part of, you know, part of the, the Jewish culture and follow uh, the Jewish covenant and the rituals. But Jesus died on the cross, opened the door wide for the family of God, to go from being a Jewish nation to a nation of all peoples. And the family and God increased. He made it easier for us. We didn't have to follow ritual. All we had to do was believe. All we had to do was believe. I mean, he, he even set us free from circumcision. Think about that. If you were an adult at that time, <laughs> you're an adult male in, in the time of Jesus. And it's like, well, I think this God's real, but I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But Jesus said, nope, you're free. And Paul, Paul made it sure that we knew that we were free, that Gentiles didn't have to then follow the, the Jewish uh, traditions. The second thing is Jesus chose humility over self-centeredness. In verse 7 and 8, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So not only did he humble himself to become in human form and go all the way to the cross, he allowed himself to be humiliated in the process. And if you want to figure out how to to get humility, how do you humble yourself, I've got a really good practice for you. I've got something really good for you to try. 
Find somebody that you've had a conflict with, go to them, look them straight in the eyes, and say, I was a jerk, forgive me. Own your stuff and ask somebody to forgive you. It's a very good practice. Hey, it, it may be that you just, you know, you kind of had a little bit of attitude one day, got together with the guys, they were all having fun, you came in and pfft, big wet blanket on all the fun. It may have been something simple. It may have been things have been going rough, you had a lot of stress going on, and somebody said the wrong thing, and you just jumped down their throat. You just decided you were going to let loose on them at that moment in time. Or it may be that that has become your mode of communication with your friends and your family. Just unload your junk and get on with life. When I married Sarah, my wife, the, their family did this. They, they traveled the world teaching this kind of stuff. And so she had this whole list of, you know, how you're supposed to ask forgiveness and own your stuff. And I'd grown up, it was just my mom and I, and we got along pretty well. And then, you know, I, I moved out, and I lived with some, a group of guys. And, you know, you get angry at one another over something, and you just get over it and move on and, and do your thing. Well, not, not, not when I got married. She made really sure <laughs> that I realized that I needed to own my stuff and humble myself and ask forgiveness. And man, you know, I, I went into this thing thinking I wasn't like a real prideful person, that I was kind of a, a humble person. But man, when I started having to do that, whoo, I realized that I was not the humble person that I had made myself out to be. And I realized a whole nother level of humility. It's a good practice. It's a good practice. And in verse 9 through 11, we see our third point. Jesus chose God-trusting over self-promoting. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says this, Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We trust God over self-promote. We lose our life to him, and we will find it. And so how did this work out um, in the Scotty Pippen scenario? Let's take a look, see how this all worked out in the end. <clears throat> his teammate said this, Scotty was the heart and soul of that team. He put that team on his shoulders and was taking all the big shots. He said specifically he wasn't setting out to be the, the, the big scorer on the team, but he was taking all the big shots. And then another teammate says this, to this day, that was my favorite team. We would have gone to the finals if it weren't for a horrible call in New York. Scotty was clearly the leader of that team. He stepped up and he was the man. And see, laying ourselves down and humbling ourselves to, one another, to serve one another is not about becoming the leader, but it's about that mutual respect that we grow, we elevate in one another's eyes. Because he was showing them that respect, and he gained that respect in their eyes. In our day-to-day -day life, it's not about becoming the leader of the best team in the league. It's about that, growing in one another's eyes. <coughs> so we have a couple of House rules. 
And uh, we got these rules off of a television show, actually, 19 Kids and Counting. My wife used to watch the Duggars, and if anybody needs some house rules, it's a family with 19 kids. And they got to be short and simple and easy to remember. So it's an acronym, JOY. Use the acronym JOY. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And so that's what we use in our house. We have three children, a two-year-old, a seven-year-old, and an eight-year-old. The two-year-old's not real big on them yet, but the seven- and eight-year-old, they're learning them. And we have to remind them every now and then, but they know them. They have them memorized. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Joy. (laughs) If you want to have some great relationships, just get some joy. Get some joy. We like to play with them about that and have fun with them. But as a matter of fact, this is actually scientific. This is actually proven scientific. Um, that, by, any, uh, by the way, that actually comes directly out of this passage. We didn't get it out of that passage. The Duggars got it out of that passage, oddly enough. But <clears throat> here's the thing. You've, have you heard these words, uh, scientific terms, oxytocin, dopamine, uh, endorphins, and serotonin? They're all the feel-good chemicals in our brain. And Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about how we, um, about our relationships and what happens with these chemicals in our brain when we, when we encounter other people. When we operate in love, the brain releases these chemicals, particularly the one oxytocin. And what happens is it, it melts away your toxic thought clusters. This chemical starts to flow when we begin to trust and bond others. It's the same thing that's released when mothers breastfeed. When mothers breastfeed, that's say that's one of the strongest bonds you can you can have. So when we when and we can have that same thing flowing just from us. In our families, from our brothers and sisters here at Seacoast Vineyard, just by extending love. Then what happens is dopamine comes in and works with the oxytocin. And when we get an expectation of something, when we start thinking about, we, we get this heightened alert that we're about to make some new memories when good things are going on. Your brain's ready to establish some, some new good memories. And so when we just imagine, all we have to do is imagine doing something good for somebody, and this begins to increase, and this begins to happen. And we get this, this surge of energy and excitement and, and confidence and motivation to go to the next step. And then we actually do a good deed, like we help somebody do well on a test. We help ex- establish, uh, a restore a relationship. And when that happens, this, it, the endorphins and the serotonin are released, and they make us feel great. And what happens here is God blesses us because we get a nice brain detox, and we get motivation, we get wisdom, and all of this helps us negotiate life and be more successful. All of this happens. So if we make a regular pattern of life of serving others and helping others get their needs met, if you want success, put others first. Serve one another. That's what will get us success. That's how you get success. I want to share something uh, with you uh, really quickly. It's a personal story, but it's how to do all of this wrong, how to really screw it up bad. So um, I acted like a jerk just for this story, just so I could get this for you guys to help you out. This past weekend, we went to um, 
the a gathering of the ministerial fellowship that I'm a part of. And talk about relationship, it was amazing. That, that we're just focused on it, and that's all it was about. It was a great time. But I went, and we took our whole family. Um, they didn't have child care, but we knew that they weren't going to have child care, and we knew a couple of other people that were going to be there with their kids also, and they were fine as long as we tag-teamed and didn't keep the kids like around everything that was going on too much because uh, some people go to get away for the kids and just be around adults and have adult time. So um, we went. And we'd been working a lot. It was really stressful kind of getting to that point. Our, our little one was having a little bit of trouble sleeping, and we just had a lot to do to get ready to go out of town. And so we'd, for about a week, we'd been working really hard. And um, we got there, and we were – one of the reasons I wanted the whole family to go is because I've been there, and I've met these people, and I've, and I've hung out with them, but Sarah never gets to go. And so I wanted her to meet people – and have a chance to, to see her. And we were going to be teaching one of the workshops, one of the small breakouts. And so I was like, oh, this is good. This is going to be a good time. So we go. We teach the workshop the first day, and we make it through. And it's a little, it's awesome, but it's also stressful, the kids, juggling the kids and keeping them happy. And uh, then we get to the next day. And while we're teaching our session, my mother-in-law's watching, uh, keeping an eye on the kids while we teach our session. Well, we teach our session, <coughs> second day, about um, the, the title of the, of the session is Would You Rather Be Right or, or Have a Relationship? And so this is the kind of stuff we teach on. So we teach a session. I go back to, to check on the little one because he had fallen asleep at lunch, and I took him in, and I laid him down on this couch in the VIP room, which basically is just a place for coffee and water for everybody speaking. And and I go in there, and he's still asleep. I'm like, man, he's sleeping hard. And a couple of leaders come in, and they're like, hey, can we use this? We, wanted to, we need to have a private meeting. Can we meet in here? I'm like, oh, sure. I go pick Jack up. I pick Jack up, and I'm like, oh. And he's soaking wet. And I look at the upholstered couch, and there's a gigantic wet spot in the middle of the couch. And at that moment, all of the stress <laughs> of the past week, the lack of sleep, happens to me <laughs> and I begin to grasp because I want control of my situation because I want things to go the way I want them to go and so in my grasp for control I walked out of there went down to the sanctuary and I said Sarah I thought we were going to put nighttime diapers on him because he'd been sick and he'd been drinking like crazy and so he'd been doing this I thought you were going to put nighttime diapers on them so this wouldn't happen she said, yes, but remember, we didn't get the chance to get him, and I knew that. And I was like, well, there's a big, he's peed all over the couch in the VIP room. Well, I didn't just say this to her. She's talking to somebody that was in our session. And I said, Sarah, I thought you were going to get this taken care of. I thought you were going to put nighttime diapers on him. So rather than me just taking care of the situation and dealing with it, I went down to her, and I told her that, and I just marched out. I didn't tell her anything else. The couch is wet and walked out. Well, thinking, okay, so surely she's going to go take care of it. Well, she didn't. She kept carrying a conversation because I guess she was thinking, well, I was going to take care of it. So I went and took care of Jack. I got Jack all straight, and I walked back, and then there she is. She's just now in there, and she's, like, cleaning up, and she's, like, you know, doing that. And so that's over. We had a couple other things go on, and I forgot about it, actually. Um, 
And then she says to me a little bit later, we're taking the kids out to play on the little playground across the way. She says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah, yeah. She says, I just want you to know that I felt extremely shamed and extremely embarrassed by what you did to me in there. I was just trying to carry on a conversation with that girl, and you just made me feel really small. And I said, oh, my gosh. Grasping for control, self-centeredness, and a lack of humility. And I undid everything that I was attempting to do that weekend in a matter of, like, seconds. And the reason I tell you that story is because it happens to all of us. I'm not the only one. It's just worse because I happen to teach on it. <laughs> but what I'd like to do, let me get you. The thing Jesus made easier was for us to receive some grace. So what I'd like to do right now is I want to pray for those of us that need a little bit of grace and need some help from the Holy Spirit to to take that step, move into humil humility and serving and improve our relationships. And so this, it, it could have been the little tiny thing or it could have been the one big incident or it could have been you've developed it as a lifestyle. Whatever it is, wherever it is, I'm gonna pray for us to have a crop failure in that area, a grace moment and get some forgiveness. So if that's you, if you fit into any of those categories, I'd like you to just go ahead and stand, and we're going to pray. I'm already standing. I fit into that category. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Father, we know we... I just thank you for each individual standing here, Lord. And restoration amongst all of us begins in our tightest places and in those closest to us. And sometimes we hurt the ones that we loved most, the most. And Lord, we just want to ask for you to forgive us for our words towards others for our actions towards the ones we love the most and cry out for your grace, Lord. You made it easy. We're choosing to believe and we're saying, Lord, forgive us. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy, mercy. And the other thing I want to ask about is that maybe some of you are going, well, that's great that he made it easy but I, I've, never, I've never believed. I've never believed, so I don't really know what that's like. And if that's you, I want you to, to go ahead and, and stand to your feet, or if you're already standing, maybe put a hand up or whatever, and I'm going to pray for you also. Show us how to open our hearts to you and to those around us and to have mercy and to serve and to be willingly humble 
to one another as we grow as a community and a loving body here at Seacoast Vineyard Church. Help us to start it in our homes. We bless you, Lord. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com. Dot com.